0: This episode is brought to you by our friends at Toyota. Toyota isn't just a car company. And the new podcast, Toyota Untold, isn't just about cars.
1: In Toyota Untold, you'll hear unique and insightful behind-the-scenes stories, such as how a son's love for his mother led to Toyota's unlikely origin as an automated loom company, and how robotics Other advanced technologies and mobility services are being researched and developed to address the challenges for the elderly, disabled and even Olympic and Paralympic athletes.
0: Discover how Toyota is rethinking mobility in the brand new podcast, Toyota Untold. You can find Toyota Untold right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. All right, now let's get back to the show.
1: Welcome to this special Tomahawk show presented by Uninterrupted. We are recording right here, live, after the NFC and AFC championship games have concluded. It is damn near midnight on the East Coast, and apparently it is beer 30 in LA because I am watching my co-host, the great Andrew Hawkins, pour himself a big, tall, delicious glass of Tito's vodka, and it looks like the party Tito, is continues- Mountain Dew. To roll out there in the L.A. offices where us schlubs out in the East Coast and the Midwest. (laughs) Sit here, put the kids to bed, and roll downstairs after our bedtime to record this amazing pod. Don't forget, follow us at Tomahawk Show. Be sure to include the hashtag Tomahawk. Make sure you rate us five stars, subscribe, and interact with us on social media. Hashtag Tomahawk. What the heck did you think of those two games today, Hawk?
0: I loved him. Now, I'm in L.A., and for those of you who aren't in L.A. and don't realize what L.A. is about, it's 1.30 in the middle of the day all the time. It's 1.30 <laughs> p.m. all the time in L.A. It's always sunny, 77 degrees. Mm-hmm. My kids were in the pool today. It was just a really good day. I was excited to watch football. Typically, every single Sunday, I'm in Bristol, Connecticut, ESPN, hosting my radio show, Operation Football, hosting Sports Center on Snapchat, Check us out, follow us, ad hoc on Snapchat, ad hoc on every social media page. (laughs) Today I didn't have to go. The East Coast got 300 feet of snow, and I didn't want to get stuck on the East Coast, so I stayed. I called off of work. My first time ever calling off of work in my life. You can't do that in the NFL. If you try to call off of work, they will cut you, and you won't be able to feed your family. So I called off of work this weekend, so I'm here in L.A., so I got to sit back and just watch the games. They were two incredible games. We typically tape this podcast Monday morning. But since we had so much free time, the game ended, our juices were still flowing, Mm. adrenaline was still high, Mm. we said, you know what, turn those damn mics on, Mm. we're dropping a Tomahawk podcast right damn now. And that's what we're doing, Joe. I'm excited to talk about these games. I'm a genius. I'll explain that later. Mm. But yeah, it's just a bunch of juices flowing, and I'm excited about Mm -hmm. it.
1: Yeah, so my feelings were sky high after that first game because was cheering pretty hard for the the boy genius out there in LA for the Rams Sean McVay I've been a big fan because I love his offense it's the Kyle Shanahan mm-hmm. offense yeah my good buddy Colt McCoy out there for the Washington Redskins he was their starter this year after uh, Kirk Cousins left and Alex Smith broke his leg then Colt broke his leg but anyways Colt told me when Sean McVay took the job and I was like real poo-poo on this young guy taking the job he's like this guy uh-huh. is the smartest coach I've ever been around. He's going to do great things. Wow. And I thought he was just sucking him off because that's what you do a lot of times when <laughs> your buddies get the coaching jobs and you start blowing them for whatever reason. I don't know. It's just <laughs> human nature, right? You always think the coaches you're with are great. And so I'm like, there's no way this guy's going to be successful. I met him. I was really impressed right off the bat. And since I watched his offense, I've fallen in love with it. And I've been a big fan. So I was really excited when they won. As much as I like Drew Brees and the Saints and the stuff that they've done there, I was really happy for those guys in L.A. to get an opportunity to go out there. Andrew Whitworth, good buddy, left tackle. He'll be playing Mm -hmm. in his first Super Bowl. A lot of my friends out there on the Rams. So I'm excited for teams that have never made it to get there, right? Uh, Feeling great about it. I'm a big Andy Reid fan, big Patrick Mahomes Mm -hmm. fan. Obviously, I played with Mitchell Schwartz, right tackle for the Chiefs. So I was going to be so amped if the Chiefs made it because I think Andy Reid's an amazing coach. Hasn't made enough Super Bowls. He's probably not a Hall of Famer unless he wins a Super Bowl. So I was cheering hard for them. And damn it, the fucking Patriots win again. Andrew Hawkins and his New England Patriots, somehow they look like shit all (laughs) December, and they're able to go out and go into Kansas City and win that game and rip my heart out at the end in overtime. I know yep. Hawk was dancing around in we his four sizes, two tight New England Patriots jersey, <laughs> and so he's got lots of juice tonight. And I'd love it if you tell the listeners all about what happened.
0: Listen, this is what happened. The Patriots happened. Right. They're great. And that's what this is like one of the rare instances where me and Joe don't agree with each other. He hates the Patriots. Mm. I am a former proud Patriot. I wore that jersey with pride. I put the man hours in me and my brothers went to battle every day in OTAs. And we hit that practice field with an intensity that would make you want to slap your grandmother. So that being said, the Patriot way is the Patriot way. And that is winning. And that's what they did today. The Patriots are, of all the conversation, think about the conversations we've had over the last year about this organization. The power struggle between Tom Brady, between Bill Belichick. We talked about, oh, is Tom too old? Oh, is Gronk going to retire? Oh, there's turmoil between Tom and Belichick. Everything is falling apart. The dynasty is over. And yet here we are not we but them eight straight afc title appearances tom has been to 13 and 17 years they are now going to another super bowl so say what you want about the patriots i get it, people that hate them i understand that i understand that you wanting something different i understand wanting new storylines and not the same old story year after year but at some point we got to appreciate the greatness that is the New England Patriots and Tom Brady. And that's all I'm doing. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, hey, so, let
1: me cut you off here because it's not okay, that I don't yeah,
0: appreciate them. I'm going to ramble.
1: Yeah. You, you're rambling. I'm in a rambling mood, as you can it's tell. It's not the that. My do is flowing. I don't appreciate the Patriots because honestly, I appreciate everything they do. I talk about them all the time, probably annoying the listeners a lot because they do things yeah. the right way. You know, it may be hard on the players. They don't reward players for. Uh, playing well for them. They draft guys, mm-hmm. they develop them, and they let them go somewhere else. They don't reward them with big contracts. But honestly, that's a really smart way to do it. They've been extremely successful. Business. Brady, I've got amazing respect for what he's done, what he's given up in his life, what he sacrificed to be the great quarterback that he is, he sacrificed his time with his family. He sacrificed friendships. His social life is basically zero. He's committed his entire life to being the greatest quarterback of all time, which he has done. I respect the heck out of Belichick how he's done it. The reasons that I hate the Patriots are as follows. One, I'm jealous. They're amazing. Yes. They're always amazing. you gotta <laughs> you got to hate the team that's amazing. That always is kicking your ass. Yep. They always kicked our ass in Cleveland except for maybe one time. We beat them and we beat them good and it felt good. But usually they kicked our ass. Yeah. But I'm also sort of happy that they're in the Super Bowl because it gives me a team to cheer against. They're like the New York Yankees of the football, football world. In the NFL, they're the team that always wins, that always has the great quarterback, and that's easy to cheer against because of how great they are and because of how they do it and how consistently they do it. So mm. although I respect them, I still like to hate them.
0: Yep. That's all there is. I can get that. I understand it. That's sports. That's why we love sports. Yeah, that's why we love it. Honestly, the biggest reason I was rooting for the Patriots is because back in August, we get an email with ESPN commentators (laughs) and analysts. And they say, make your Super Bowl predictions and then predict who wins the Super Bowl. So the two teams that I picked to appear in the Super Bowl way back in August Mm. were the Los Angeles Rams and the New England Patriots. There were like four other people who picked those teams. Let me spell them out to you. One was uh, Stephanie Abel, who I'm not familiar with, except through this poll. <laughs> and in that, I started looking at it, and she's was brilliant. A I'm so happy I was introduced to her through this poll because all of her takes are fire, right? So that's one. So she's the, the anti-nat. One, the, she's the anti-nat. <laughs> she fire takes. The next person was Trey Wingo, a guy that I've watched on ESPN since Trace I was a kid, so already I knew I was in good company, right? Joe talks to Trey Wingo a lot on the Wingo and Golik show. So those guys are friends. So now we're friends through Joe, mutual friend, one degree of separation. The next three guys were, if you told me, hey, pick three guys who rival your career as a football player that you feel like you're on the same pace with and like things you've accomplished in life and the way people regard you and, and uh, talk about you and like in the, in the public, basically about who you are and your reputation, these would be the three players that I picked. The other three guys at ESPN that picked it were Jeff Saturday, Super Bowl winner, probably Hall of Famer, right? Remind you of myself, Charles Woodson, (laughs) another guy whose career is like, it's uncanny how similar we are and the things we've accomplished. And the last guy is Randy Moss. And all people do is compare me to Randy Moss in my entire career. So it makes so much sense that all these people pick the same teams. And here I am. Looking like a genius, and the negotiations for being a commentator that we talked about last week just went up by $3 million Mm. a year. Mm. Just by Mm. that, because it shows how really smart I am as an analyst, Joe. Your thoughts?
1: Well, I already knew how smart you were, and uh, I was cheering against the Saints. Although, if you do remember, way back in the spring, I did pick the Saints to be in the Super Bowl. I actually think (laughs) I picked the Saints, and I forget who I picked in the AFC. But uh, You know what's funny?
0: Yeah, go ahead. But, and not not to cut you off, but I'm gonna cut you off. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't gonna put this part on there, but you know, we're transparent with our listeners at the mm-hmm. Tom of flock. Mm-hmm. I also picked the Saints. Um when we asked <laughs> who was gonna pick to make the Super Bowl <laughs> on this show, I picked the Saints and the Patriots. Yeah. So oh, yeah, I, I really couldn't lose either way. Yeah. Um and that's
1: how you had your bet, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> No, a great point there. Uh, that's what Thanks. veteran NFL analysts do. They, they pick a yes. shitload of teams to win, and in the end, they can always <laughs> say, See? I was right. I picked them way back. Roll the tape. Roll, roll it back. Genius. No, not that one. The, uh, the other tape, the one where I was right <laughs> about who I picked. Uh, but, hey, tell me about this Tomahawk LA watch party.
0: Yeah, so essentially, once we made the decision to record the podcast tonight, it was Nat, she was like, yo... I am rolling up hella miss um, <laughs> You guys should meet us in the studio in LA. And I'm like, okay, cool. And so we came out here, we watched the second half of the chiefs Patriots game. It was awesome because it was me, Maddie means who runs our social media accounts, former pro baseball player. And we were both rooting for the Patriots. He's from the new England area. Again, I am a former, uh, I'm in the ring of honor and the new England Patriots organization. And also I picked them. So I was rooting for them. And then, Nat and never scored a TD our producer they were both rooting for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs so it was like a nice little thing we got going we were talking smack ultimately I prevailed which usually happens um, but it was cool the, the my favorite part about this game was the Chiefs go down and score at the end of the game now the first half was a little slow second half got a little more lively Mahomes got into it a little bit um, but the Patriots Took a lead. The Chiefs go down and score with two minutes left. They're now up, what is it, 31 to 28? Or was it 28 to 24? Whatever it was, they went up. There was two minutes left on the clock, and I said, there's two minutes left on the clock. That's a Tom Brady quarter. That's too much time. He goes down and scores and leaves 39 seconds on the clock. Now, typically, when Tom Brady does that, the other quarterbacks aren't good enough to go down there and score. The other quarterbacks aren't good enough to go down there and really pose any real threat, with the exception of maybe three or four over the course of Tom's career. I felt like Patrick Mahomes like put the stamp of like confirmation on who he is as a quarterback, all the conversation around him, all the hype around him because that thirty nine seconds he marched right down and scored to take it into overtime. And I felt like it showed a lot about him that not only to you know the people who just were fans of Patrick Mahomes as a person, but as a player, like he is a guy that doesn't back down from situations. and just as you can't leave time on the board for Tom Brady. You can't leave time on the board for Patrick Mahomes. So, again, we all know this. There's talk of him getting a $200 million contract in the near future. He is a guy that I feel like we're going to see in this situation a lot over the next 10 to 15 years because, again, he's not only talented, but he has the moxie. He has the it factor.
1: You know, Zerm had a really good question before we started recording the pod that I would love to hear Zerm tee up again for Hawk to uh, hit out of the park because I think, Hawk, you had some interesting insight on it.
0: Yeah, my question was watching that final drive in overtime by the Patriots, Mm -hmm. and that's obviously something they do a lot and are really good at, but all those – I believe it was three straight third and longs Kansas City got the Patriots into, and I think there were two catches by Edelman over the middle and one to Gronk over the middle. And my question to Hawk was – what what was the coverage that Kansas City was running and was there anything else they could have done to try and take away what felt like just a quick like inside move by both Gronk and Edelman catching the ball first down and they moved the chains cuz i was losing my mind over here yeah you know i was wa- i wasn't like giving it the whole analyst you know dan orlovsky with the laser pointer Kind of watch. (laughs) I was like more fan, jumping around and just happy. But from from what I gather, it it looked like a lot of man to man on Julian Edelman, right, or two man or whatever it looks like. But they have to get pressure on Tom Brady. You kind of have to make a choice to say, hey, are we going to let Tom Brady have time and put more people in the coverage and try to take that away? Does that work, or are we going to try to pressure him and not give him all day to throw and hope that he makes an errand pass or hope that a drop pass happens? It's like pick your poison. Either one of them doesn't really work with Tom because if you pressure him, you leave guys one-on-one, he gets the ball out quick, he makes an accurate throw. If you leave guys back, if you give him all day, he doesn't care. He'll throw it to the left tackle if he's eligible for a big (laughs) game because he's that surgical with it. So it's really a pick your poison, man. And unfortunately, Edelman, clutch down the stretch. Gronk, clutch down the stretch. Those are guys who are making big catches. We watched Cordell Patterson make some drops, actually, on that drive. And to be honest, I feel like Tom was only throwing him to keep them honest for the plays when it was crucial and he had to go to the other guys. And they, they score big. And over the middle, it's tough to double-team guys in the middle of the field. like It's already kind of a natural double-team for a slot receiver because it's two-way go and your 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 space is condensed. Like on the outside, it's just you and the guy on the outside, which is why Gronk could just line up one-on-one, boom, just throw it to me, I'm going to catch it. Um, but in the middle, it's hard to double-team, guys. But, yeah, I mean, there really isn't a right answer for that, right? Because Tom, again, he'll throw it to a running back. He'll throw it to a tight end. He'll throw it to a receiver. He'll throw it to a slot. He'll throw it to whoever is open and, you know, gives him the best chance. And he's just a guy who can accurately make those throws.
1: I really like listening to Tony Romo as a color guy. Him and um, Jim Namps are the best team right now, in my opinion, out there. And uh-huh. uh, Tony Romo does a really good job talking about the pre-snap stuff. And one of the things that everybody in the league really does, but the Patriots have done it the best. And you saw it over and over in this game was – where they'll get matchups where they'll put somebody in the backfield and they'll motion them out or they'll motion somebody across the formation to give Tom and to give really everybody out there a, a pre-snap read of what the coverage is that the defense is trying to give them. And so a lot of times, like Zerm was asking, is you'll you'll see when the guy in the backfield motions out. And everybody in the defense just kind of shifts over, you know it's going to be some type of zone coverage. Whereas if everyone stands still but one person runs with them, you know it's kind of a man coverage. And so everybody out there for the most part that is of uh, an eligible receiver now pretty much knows who's going to get the football or where it's going to go based on the route concept. Because if mm-hmm. it's man-to-man, Tom's thinking, okay, here's my Eric Berry versus Gronk, and I know that if I throw a rebound, Gronk's going to catch it 75 or 80% of the time. So he's going to be right. my first read. And so unless he gets doubled and they're rolling the safety over there, I'm going to go to Gronk. Now, if the safety rolls over there, then the second option knows, okay, now I'm the guy that's the next best matchup, and he's going to come to me. If if you see the, the defense pre-snap just kind of shift and kind of move – Uh, in unison, then it's some type of zone coverage. And then you got all these little small slot receivers who are going to find those uh, underneath holes in the zone defense. And everybody kind of knows where the ball is going to go. So the precision with which the Patriots operate with their pre-snap movements and then how everybody on the offense knows exactly where the ball is going to go, where the holes in the mm-hmm. defense are, where the matchups are that week that they like the best, and what that order is. All right, what's the first best matchup in the second and then the third and on down the line? And the way that they're able to replicate that each play moving themselves their down the field. Is impressive to watch, and even though I always like to cheer against the Patriots, it is amazing how consistently they can operate basically mm. by doing the same things. I mean, their offense is always game plan specific, but for the most part, the concepts are the same from week to week. They're just extraordinary at executing them.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's what makes them special, man. Like, every, coming into this game, people were like, oh, man, the Chiefs, the Chiefs. I just didn't think – and this is just me being completely honest. I didn't I thought that the New England Patriots, after they played the Chiefs early on in the season, and they played them tough and they won the game, the Chiefs did. Or I mean the the Patriots did. But I think they knew that the road through to the Super Bowl went through Kansas City. And anytime that you can give Bill Belichick that kind of insight, anytime that organization can think about scout and get ready for a team and opponent, I just knew they would be prepared. And I felt like the X's and O's is what separated the Patriots. From the the Chiefs, whereas the Chiefs, I feel like just have better manpower. They're more talented than the Patriots. I would take a lot of the Chiefs players over Patriot players, but, again, it's the X's and O's. It's the Tom Brady, and I just felt like that was the X factor. Joe, tell me this. Mm. The Patriots are now going to the Super Bowl, which means these former Browns are now in the running to get a Super Bowl ring. Are you ready? Brian Hoyer, the Destroyer. Oh, a Tomahawk favorite. A tomahawk fave and forever my goat. I don't care who you are. That is the greatest quarterback of all time when it comes to my book. Another former Brown, Danny Shelton, oh, is on pace to get a Super Bowl win, mm. Joe. Jason McCourty. Was it Jason or Devin that played for Cleveland? Jason. Jason, yeah. Jason McCourty. Although a short stint, he's still a Cleveland Brown. Nonetheless, he is on pace to get a Super Bowl win and last. But not least, Josh Gordon. If the Patriots win the Super Bowl, Josh Gordon will get a Super Bowl ring.
1: Joe, give me your thoughts. Is that a fact that Josh Gordon would get a Super Bowl ring? He's not on the team anymore, right?
0: Absolutely. You have to be on the team. I think it's eight games. If you're on his roster for eight games. Is that the rule? I think that's the rule. That's the rule. I think it's eight games well, that would be and I might be entitled to a Super Bowl. That would a be Super very Bowl.
1: interesting. Obviously, he was the talk of the early part of the season there until his latest suspension and we probably will never see Josh Gordon playing in the NFL again. So, um if he got a Super, Super said Bowl that before. Right. I know we have, but this one just seems so much more final. I mean, how many <laughs> years is he suspended at this point? He's already been suspended for like years and now it's, it, I feel like it just doubles, right? It's like a double down every time he gets suspended again. So uh, I'm really, I'm blown away by that answer that you just gave me because I had no yeah. idea that Josh Gordon potentially could be getting a Super Bowl ring. The question is, does he do the white house visit? Is mm. he, is he invited? Not, not does he decide to go, but what do you mean, is, he, is invited? he invited? Like, You're on the team for eight games, but then you get Uh suspended and cut. Do you still get to go to the Super Bowl or the White House party if you win the Super Uh, Bowl? That's a good question.
0: I think it'll be all right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. They probably don't invite him. Maybe. It doesn't matter. He has the ring. That's all that really matters gets the 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 ring, ring, Joe. Okay. It's the ring. It's not not four-minute abs. You you can't do abs in four minutes. Yeah, It's ridiculous.
1: You know what? I will say one thing quick about the Super Bowl ring – Hearing all of my former teammates that in the past have gotten Super Bowl rings, who are Uh some of the laziest, most horrible people (laughs) and the worst football players of all time, but get picked up like on practice squad by the team (laughs) that ends up winning the Super Bowl like three weeks later, totally diminishes the awesome factor of owning a Super Bowl ring. And there was one of my teammates, he was an offensive lineman, he was with us in training camp and then he got picked up by the Seahawks and he was on the Seahawks when they won the Super Bowl for like a couple of weeks then he got cut and then he got picked up by the Patriots pra- practice squad for a couple of weeks then he won the Super Bowl uh, so he won back-to-back Super Bowl rings <laughs> with the who Seahawks was it? drop his name I can't drop his name because <laughs> well people will be, they'll be able to google I'm sure it I'm sure they will is. have a hard time because he was not even like really on the roster if you know what I mean he was on the team for a few weeks, but uh, not a great football player by any stretch of the imagination. Back-to-back Super Bowl champion. And so after that happened, I was really like, you know what? I have dedicated my life to my craft of being an <laughs> offensive lineman, and I've given everything I possibly can to win a Super Bowl, and all I get is 1 in 15, 0 in 16, 4 in <laughs> 12s, and then this motherfucker's got back to back Super Bowl rings. He's going to be walking around when he's 60, wearing one on each hand, telling everybody he's a Super Bowl champion. Who do I have Super to Bowl show champions. for? It? Nothing.
0: Nothing except <laughs> an incredible podcast, number one yes. podcast in Ohio. Yeah, That's true. Found on Everywhere you listen to podcasts, a make g- sure you subscribe, rate st- five stars. What else you got for me? You Jay? know
1: what? I got something. We need to talk to LeBron <laughs> and get ourselves
0: a Tomahawk Ohio ring.
1: podcast rings for being we the, the number one podcast we the- in Ohio. We can finally in get Joe we that we can ring Finally he's always get wanted. Me and you, a ring. Joe,
0: you just blew my mind just now. <laughs> that is happening. We are getting Tomahawk Ohio. <laughs> Championship <laughs> rings for being the most listened to podcast in the state of Ohio. And it's
1: gonna have more fake diamonds and it's gonna be bigger uh, than any Super Bowl ring in the history of Super be Bowl rings.
0: The most the gaudiest, most oh. cubic zirconiest ring <laughs> That anyone has ever laid their little eyes oh, on, bruh. That's beautiful. That is an incredible uh, Hawk, idea. You could you could only bust that term out after having seven <laughs> drinks in the L.A. uninterrupted office, for sure. Go oh, right, right into
1: LeBron's move in the- office after this. Beat on the door oh, yeah. and oh. just demand it. Yeah. Like, hello,
0: Mr. James. I'd like to have a word with you <laughs> regarding the Tomahawk <laughs> podcast. Thank you. Oh. All right, guys. Let's take a quick break to talk about our friends over at Toyota. Toyota isn't just a car company, and the new podcast, Toyota Untold, isn't just about cars. It's about mobility. It's about overcoming challenges, like me trying to ease up on the soda. It's about helping people move physically, socially, and emotionally. It's about finding solutions, like we try to do for Nat's horrible hot takes, to no avail. When you think Toyota, you think sustainability, triumph, facing fears, celebrating life, and rethinking what's
1: possible. In Toyota Untold, you'll hear unique and insightful behind-the-scenes stories, such as how a son's love for his mother led to Toyota's unlikely origin as an automated loom company, why and how a Toyota Tundra was used to tow a space shuttle through the streets of LA, and how robotics, other advanced technologies, and mobility services are being researched and developed to address the challenges for the elderly, disabled, and even Olympic and Paralympic athletes. Discover how Toyota is rethinking mobility in the
0: brand new podcast, Toyota Untold. You can find Toyota Untold right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. All right, now let's get back to the show. The other game that took place today was the Rams v. Saints. Rams, go down to New Orleans, pull it out as I predicted. um, I was extremely excited. I don't know why I was rooting for the Rams so bad they have zero players I think that used to be Browns but I have a lot of friends over there we talked about Andrew Whitworth who I played with in Cincinnati great guy another great tackle in the AFC North so him and Joe have a connection I was with Brandon Cooks in New England me and that guy he was new when I was new so we talked a lot in in that mode and We became really good friends. Aaron Donald, the best player in football. He beat Joe like a drum whenever he wanted to when they played. So me and him automatically have something in common because we bested Joe any opportunity we had. I trained with Todd Gurley in the offseason. Also a really good guy. I don't know. I'm just excited for the Rams that McVay, we were on a plane once, that automatically gives uh, me the credentials to be a head coach. Um, So there's a lot of things going on with the LA Rams. I'm excited to see them in the championship. I have a conspiracy theory of what's going to happen. Now you tell me your take on this game, Joe, and then we'll get to yeah. our Super Bowl conspiracy theories, our takes, what's going to go right, what's going to go wrong kind of situations.
1: Yeah, it was an interesting game. Obviously, the um, the Rams had to play from behind the whole game, which is really difficult to go into the Superdome and play from behind because that crowd was absolutely lit. It was so loud. Yeah. I saw on multiple occasions the offensive linemen. Even being two feet away from the man next to him, couldn't hear the calls. And so he had to get up out of his stance a couple times and go over and physically put his ear almost like two feet or two inches away from his his line mate's uh, Mm. mouth and listen Mm. to try to understand what the the hell was going on. And it was really awkward, (laughs) yes. Uh, so you could just tell how loud it was, and all these fans had whistles, which I didn't know was allowed. Uh that's I'm not sure. that's, that's BS, by yeah. the way. I'm not sure how you can hear the refs when they blow the whistle. If everybody in the crowd has these giant storm whistles, because it was absolutely <laughs> banana, it was bonkers in that place. And I'm surprised, I give the Rams a lot of credit for being able to come back. In that environment, when it's so loud, the crowd is so so much behind the home team, and they're playing in a game where they're not able to use their running game as they usually do, which sets up those big play action, because when you're playing from behind, it's a lot of times the defense gives you a lot of those running game, uh, easy runs, and you don't get as much sell as you usually do on the play action to get separation between the linebackers and the secondary. So they did it like the old school NFL way, where Jared Goff is just standing in the pocket, and he's throwing a lot of passes, and he's looking like Tom Brady. They're not running those wide zones, those wide zone play action stuffs that they, they usually like to feature. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that was really interesting, and I give them a lot of credit for being a little bit different than they usually are to be able to come back in that game and win it with a little help from the officials.
0: With a little help from the official. That was probably one of the biggest missed calls in NFL history. That was pretty bad. But I'm all for it because it happens. Especially since it happens to the Browns every week through the regular (laughs) season. And nobody gives a damn. So I'm not crying for anybody because if we got all the missed calls that they gave us during the year, we would have been in the playoffs and probably on our way to the Super Bowl as well. Now, now that the homerism is out of me, let's talk (laughs) about some other things in this football game. My favorite part of this game, Joe, Marcus Peters. (laughs) Remember the press conference he had after the first time they played where he told Coach Sean Payton to keep that same energy when I see you again, fam. It's going down. We're going to get some gumbo together. And I felt like gumbo Mm. was actually a code word for something else that was, like, not as endearing as it sounded, uh, just with plain sight on. But I couldn't Mm. quite figure it out. I'm not cool enough, too. But after this game, the Rams won. And Marcus Peters, I guess, rushed Sean Payton to go talk his smack. Sean Payton Mm -hmm. was with the shits as well, and -hmm. they got into like a little spat after the game. Yeah, and it was like, yo, I, I don't know, but there's a trend of player coach beef going on that where players are beefing with coaches. You got Peters, you got Payton, you got Baker, you got Hugh, and I'm just saying, I'm here for it. That's all I'm saying. That's all I really Mm -hmm. got for you.
1: Yeah, did you see Eli Apple? in that game also went over to Sean McVay and was talking Mm bad shit. And here's the way, what my take on talking shit to the coaches, I I like it because it's kind of fun and it's funny to me, but it's also Uh not a fair fight. Like, first of all, obviously physically you got, if there was a fight, the player would absolutely destroy the coach. So we can put that aside. But at the same time, the coach can't really go back at the player, right? If two players are beefing, the players can get up each other's faces. You can do a little pushing and shoving before a flag is called, right? But if a coach in the middle of the game like throws his play sheet down and tries to get up into some player's face, first of all, he's (laughs) going to look like a jackass. Second of all, the ref's probably going to throw a flag much quicker on a coach than he is a player. So it's kind of the low-hanging fruit and it's kind of not fair for a player to go up and start Mm -hmm. talking smack to a coach Because a coach really can't do anything. He's just got to sit there and take it. So uh, until a coach has some method of being able to fight back other than just calling better plays, I I really don't (laughs) really say it's much much of a fair fight. Uh, But I do kind of like it. It makes me laugh a little bit when those guys go right up to the coaches. What I would love to see in the Super Bowl is Marcus Peters go right over to Bill Belichick and start talking smack (laughs) to see what Belichick (laughs) would do because I feel like Belichick wouldn't take it. That's
0: another player beef. You don't remember the Adam Thielen, Bill Belichick beef earlier? Yeah, I do, but I would love to see it again. Like, I love that stuff
1: secretly. So, Joe, you've never been, like, smack-talked by a coach before in the NFL. I can't ever remember it. I never involved in myself in smack talking really ever. Like yeah. I said, the only guy I ever smack talked with was Kiko Alonzo, but it was like one of those where, you know, I think we talked about this before, but the only time I ever have road rage is when somebody cuts me off and then gets mad at me. Like I was in the wrong. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, I, I can't get mad if somebody cuts me off, but if then they get mad at me, Thinking that I was in the wrong when they're really in the wrong, that's when I go ballistic and I'm I'm ready to like run somebody off the road and, and choke them out for life.
0: Random. I, I yelled at a guy yesterday and he was an older gentleman, like an elderly guy, and I felt really bad. Like I had to ask the Lord for forgiveness. I yeah, didn't like, know he was elderly. That's probably somebody's grandpa. But I like beeped and I was like, yo, get the like, – and I looked I'm like, oh, man, I'm an a-hole. That's going to be me. Somebody's going to be cussing me out. I'm that gentleman's age. Your
1: your poor old grandpa, like he's just trying to go see his kid's basketball game. He's just trying to go see Austin's basketball game, and this is his only way to get there, and you got some 34-year-old jackass. How old are you? Yeah,
0: 34. I'm
1: 32, man. 32-year-old jackass who thinks he's a big NFL media mogul who can just run (sighs) people off the road with his big Rolls Royce because he's all-important and rich. It was was a Bentley, but yeah.
0: No, I don't have a Bentley. I drive a Mazda. Um, but anyway, so you've never been smack-talked by a coach. I have two instances where I have been smack-talked, oh, wow. and I was shocked both times. My first year in the league, 2011, right? I had I got activated like the third or fourth week of the season from the practice squad. I come from the NFL where my salary was $45,000 a year. I was making that almost in one game. So I was super excited. I'm like, if this lasts two weeks, I'm amped. Like, that's enough for me. So there was one game where A.J. Green gets hurt. A.J. Green gets hurt. Everybody on the receiver depth chart moves up a spot, which means I was playing now. So I got in the game, third and like eight. They send an all-out blitz. I'm one-on-one against Troy Polamalu. I run a corner route. Andy Dalton lays it up. I make the catch, like fingertip catch on the sideline. Roller. I'm like, oh, man, I just caught that. It was like my first big catch ever in the NFL. (laughs) And I hear someone like, you ain't catch that shit. You ain't catch that shit. And I'm thinking it's a play. I'm like, and I'm from Johnstown, Pennsylvania, Steeler country. So this is, I'm wide out. I'm just literally just happy to be here. I just caught a pass on Troy Palomalo. I can't believe it. Somebody is in my ear yelling, you didn't catch that shit. And I'm like, who the hell? I turn around. It's Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is like, (laughs) like I'm excited about the catch. And I'm like jumping around and he's like trying to come like, no, you ain't catch that shit. Like that that was no catch. Like, and I'm like, yo, are you, is Mike Tomlin talking crap to me right now? And it kind of like really opened up what the NFL is. Number two,
1: I same feel like situation. that's not really talking smack, though. He was just saying you didn't catch but it. It was like, he wasn't coming back be... you personally, like, who he the hell is this guy? i me. never heard he wasn't you. He was talking you to scrub. the ref. He was talking to me. Like, why
0: are you saying that to me? Go say that to the If you don't think it was a catch, go tell the ref. Don't be mad because I'm excited. <laughs> and the ref is like, Anyway, the next one was Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan, I don't know if anybody oh. knows this, he was notorious for talking stuff to players. He actually took pride in it, and he was probably one of the best smack talkers in the entire league. He talked smack to me so many times I can't even <laughs> I can't even describe a, a particular instance because every time you just knew, if you
1: were on the sideline, he was going to talk smack to you. Hey, what do you think is going on with Todd Gurley? I mean, C.J. Anderson, I love the guy. He's the round mound of uh... – the round mound dad bod squad god <laughs> I don't know. is what it is you know charles barkley was the round <laughs> mound of rebound and i feel like somebody should come up with a good nickname for cj anderson because he is I just the Charles of fire one you didn't even acknowledge it what is it the dad bod squad god man dad bod squad god all right cj anderson with his dad bod squad <laughs> Bod, <laughs> we're losing this. This
0: episode is getting away from this.
1: Uh, <laughs> we're losing. Incredible. on. he uh, had fast. another uh, game where he had 16 carries and uh, Todd Gurley had four. So in my opinion, Todd Gurley is clearly injured and they're still trying to protect him by acting like he's not injured because they're hoping that the two weeks he gets between now and the Super Bowl, he'll be able to get healthy. I saw Todd on the sidelines stretching, which what looked like it was probably like a hamstring. He was all over the place. It looked like trying to stretch a hamstring. And when he had carries, he didn't look like the same person. So, Hawk, do you think he's injured?
0: Oh, man, that's a good question. I feel like he's not himself, obviously. I mean, Todd Gurley was in the running for MVP last year, this year, early in the season. He's one of the best offensive weapons in the NFL. So it's not logical to think that he is healthy and they're not using him. There's, There's not a situation where he... He's not an answer in. You know, he can catch the ball in the backfield. He's a big bag. He runs powerful. He's a guy you give the ball to early and often, and they're not doing that. So clearly something's wrong, um, whether they're saying it or not or whether they're trying to buy him more time. I do feel like they thought everything was good, and I, and today he probably came into the game and wasn't as on his game as he thought. Yeah. And kudos to Sean McVeigh and the rest of the staff to say hey let's dial him back because we're going to win this freaking football game and we're going to need him for the Super Bowl they are going to need a heavy dose of Todd Gurley and a healthy as healthy as possible Todd Gurley in the Super Bowl to try to to beat the New England Patriots so if that's their mindset I'm all for it shout out to CJ Anderson coming off the couch with you like you said the round the round what was a round mound of of rushing
1: <laughs> that doesn't rhyme, though. You, you.
0: No, I don't. Like the dad bod, something or other. The dad bod god squad of, of running attacks. Yeah, that's he it. comes in and he is very effective, man. And, and I can't say enough. Early in the, in the season, here's what I love about the the Rams. Before the season, when they acquired Indama Sue, everyone called him crazy because they already had Aaron Donald. And you don't have two high played defensive tackles. They wouldn't got Marcus Peters in a the trade. They wouldn't got a Kip Talib like. They were like, hey, we're going for broke. We are trying to put together a squad to win the Super Bowl now. It's not a squad we can keep together for a long time. It's a mix of a lot of personalities. And as Todd said when I talked to him early in the season, there are a bunch of guys that have fun. They're different, but they they, they mesh in the field because they have the same common goal. I appreciate an organization who says we're trying to win now. And them in the Super Bowl shows that it was effective. They've put together a roster, a talented roster to compete at a high level in the league. They have a coach who is an offensive genius, schematically graded adjustments. He shows it week in and week out, so much so that every other organization is trying to hire guys close to him and guys who are um, built after his own heart. And again, they're in the Super Bowl. It's a way to use the system in your to your advantage, and it shows that it works, so... I'm rooting for them. I haven't made the decision on who I want to pick for the Super Bowl yet. I'll actually give the floor to you, Joe. I know you hate the Patriots and you want the Rams to win, but I need you to think analytically here. I need the the Monday night football analyst, Joe, that we were robbed
1: of this season. I'm sorry about that. Sorry. I'm picking early Super Bowl predictions right now. Sunday night after just watching both those games in the AFC and NFC championship. I like the Patriots, and I'm going to get – tell you why right now because with 2 weeks to prepare Bill Belichick is going to put together an outstanding plan to mm. eliminate the rushing game and the rushing attack of the LA Rams and that's going to help minimize the play action attack and he's going to make Jared Goff be a stand in the pocket throw the football down the field quarterback which Jared Goff has proven he can do, but it's not what he does the best. And I think the Patriots are good enough where if they just get like a 7 out of 10 Jared Goff, which is, in my opinion, what he is when he's just a stand in the pocket and throw the football type quarterback, that their offense will be able to score enough on the L.A. Rams defense, which is about a 7 out of 10 defense if we're going to be totally honest. They've got Aaron Mm -hmm. Donald, which will be very difficult to block, but they're going to get enough schematic double teams and easy protections for them and ball coming out of Tom Brady's hand quickly to be able to minimize Aaron Donald and I think they're going to win it's going to be a low scoring game in my opinion you might see a big line on this one again in Vegas but I truly believe it's going to be a low scoring game because it's going to be Jared Goff standing in the pocket the Patriots are going to make him just throw the football he's not going to be able to uh specialize in a lot of that play action stuff that he does really well. They're not going to be able to run the football. Those are the things that the Patriots are going to take away because the Patriots are game plan specific. They're always going to try to take away the things that you do best and make you beat them with the things that you're second or third best at. Also, I really believe that Bill Belichick respects Sean McVay and that offense that they've been running. There's been a lot of conversation a couple years ago about when Bill Belichick traded Jimmy Garoppolo to the 49ers, how him and Kyle Shanahan had, had such a great relationship because of how much he respected Kyle's brain and how he mm-hmm. looks at football and how they work offensively and The NFL offseason, it starts after the Super Bowl, you know, February, you do some of this uh, prep for the combine, and you prep for OTAs and stuff, but the coaches have a lot of time what what they do is game plan, and a lot of times what they're doing is they're breaking down film from that year, and they're coming up with strategies to beat the different teams and the different offenses, and and a coach like Bill Belichick, what he's going to do is he might take two or three weeks in the offseason and almost pretend like they're going to play like the LA Rams or play the San Francisco. Francisco 49ers when they have an offense that they think is going to be really tricky what he's going to do is he's going to give his defensive coaches homework and they're going to sleep in those offices and they're going to look and try to come up with a strategy to attack that offense and take away what that offense does best and they've done that already. So they've already got a jump start on what is needed to do to beat this L.A. Rams offense. Then they're going to go back and they're going to look at the film from today and they're going to look at the film from the playoffs especially. And they're going to see the things that the Saints did to really minimize what the Rams were able to do. And like I mentioned, it's going to be starting with stopping the run, taking away their ability to run the football, which takes away their ability to play action pass. And then you're going to see the same old Patriots on offense. You're going to see them control the tempo you're going to see him try to feature the run game a little bit you're going to see him uh get a lot of those man zone reads. They're going to be very detailed up on where the holes in the zone coverages are. They're going to find those good matchups. Gronk is going to have another couple weeks off, which is huge for him. A guy that's basically a robot out there with pieces put together from all the different junkyards all across Massachusetts. And he needs those two weeks to rest his old and broken body. But when he gets those two weeks to rest, he's still a matchup nightmare because he can block and he's big as fuck. And all you have to do is throw him a rebound and he catches it. So for all those reasons, I'm going with the under, if we don't know what the line is, and I'm going with the Patriots. All right, I'm not going to argue it, man. You know what's crazy to think about, Joe?
0: Had I not accepted this role in the Tomahawk Show to host this this show alongside you, the best tackle Mm. in NFL history, the first lineman in NFL history. I can say for sure I I was
1: first. I'm not sure if I was the best, but thank you.
0: It doesn't matter. My point is that I would be playing in two back-to-back Super Bowls had I not decided to come and join this show. <laughs> so this the show, so you would be the guy that
1: I hate. That I you would be the guy. I would be the guy that
0: you hate. The, the guy who lashed on mean the right place at the right time. <laughs> Andrew Hawkins is going on his second Super Bowl, so clearly it doesn't mean anything. All right, here's my conspiracy theory right. with what happens. I haven't decided who's going to win the game yet, but mm-hmm. what I know is this: When did the Tom Brady dynasty start? The Tom Brady New England Patriot dynasty against what team? Uh, the St. Louis Rams. The St. Louis Rams, this is the same organization that the Patriots, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick dynasty was born against. My conspiracy theory is this. They are playing the Rams again in the Super Bowl since those beginning battles. Mm. Is this how you reverse? It wouldn't be a curse because they're winning so much. It's a curse for everyone else in the league. It's up to the Rams to knock the Patriots off in order to reverse this dynasty and reset history back to normal. And normal is not the Patriots being better than everybody for such a long period of time. So I'm I'm still sitting with it. I'm still trying to figure out exactly what's going to happen. I have tarot cards. I'm going to get my palm read next week. Um, And we're going to get to the bottom of it. But there's just some some spookiness going on here. I'm not typically a a conspiracy theorist. But uh, me and Nat have been partaking in the mistletoe activities if you know what i'm saying um the rolling of them and not just the the traditional <laughs> things are going wild here that's the, i really I don't know, know what the doing
1: hell doing you're that. talking about right me now. either I, <laughs> I was trying to get like <laughs> you're rolling mistletoe i don't, <laughs> I don't know i know nat on. has a I lot know. of experience from her cheech and chong days rolling things that's up what, she, that's that's what what I, was I didn't know you to put insinuate. mistletoe anyway, in those
0: things it's
1: Things are going haywire
0: here in L.A. Nat will roll you. She'll put anything in a roll. <laughs> yeah. She'll roll up anything and smoke if it. If it's Let's green, it that way. she's been she very desperate. <laughs> it.
2: You
0: Sorry to Nat's parents, who I know listen to every episode. We apologize. These are all jokes <laughs> Nat would never. All she does is edit podcasts. Um, I would like to know. We have one a lot thing, of editing to do. This podcast, Since we're talking LA, about yeah. Nat. Try to make me not sound like an idiot. That's yeah. all I'm
1: looking for. I want to know, Nat, why we haven't got a coffee maker maker order yet except for that ridiculous okay. one from amazon that was like eight feet tall wasn't
2: that amazing that i mean was so great. That we should one, send it to
1: you that one came was, straight from a lab i was
2: laughing <laughs> at, at a mess that lab. for like a good 10 minutes because i thought it was the funniest thing and then after i sent it i'm like shit they might actually just buy me that like as a joke I'm like i don't want that
1: <laughs> if we had any money on the show we would have bought it for you by now but we don't hard. so we're still scrounging together the pennies to be able to buy you a legitimate awesome coffee maker if you ever yes. tell us which one you want.
2: Yes. I've been doing research. I know the brand I want. So mm. now I just have to actually send you the specific kind that I want. Right. What brand do you want? Ninja.
1: Ninja. Oh, I like mm. it. Yeah. Ninja. So hey, while Nat's on, I do have a question for her again. I want to hear Shoot a story it. because I know Nat's a big influencer and she hangs out with all the big oh NBA God. celebrities. She, <laughs> she goes on blind dates with NBA guys all the time. <laughs>
2: Jeez, no, I don't. I do not. <laughs> that
1: was your date at the beginning of the season. Don't try to hide it. Was it was someone who played for the Clippers. We finally figured it out. We figured it out. It was a Clippers <laughs> player. Uh, but I oh, hear no. that you may have been chilling with a few Cleveland legends, Mr. Channing Fry and Mr. Baker Mayfield. Is that fact or fiction?
2: That is fact. Mm. So what happened was mm. I was supposed to actually record an episode of Road Trippin' with Channing and Allie. Allie Clifton. And that
0: w- Toledo Rocket, by the way. Allie Clifton and I went to school <laughs> together. Not to interrupt, but continue. <laughs>
1: I've heard that ten out of ten times that Allie Clifton's name. <laughs> Every is time you drop a name, I'm dropping a Toledo <laughs> Rocket. Uh.
2: So we were supposed to record an episode of Road Trippin. We were gonna have a guest and then guests didn't come through, and this was on a Saturday night, last weekend actually. So when the plans fell through, I was already driving towards the office, which is where we were going to record. And Allie calls me. Well, Channing calls through Allie's phone and is like, Nat, sorry, we have some really bad news. Like our <laughs> guest XYZ could not make it. And we feel so bad that you had to drive to the office. So come out with us. We're going to get you drinks. Hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. So I went. I went to whatever hotel they were staying at. And then we went to some restaurant. And this was when the Rams were playing last weekend. And so it was packed in there. And as we're walking in to the left is Baker Mayfield sitting there with like his friends or whoever he was with. And I didn't even know it was him because I didn't look.
0: It was you, Jackson.
2: <laughs> <laughs> How
0: insane would
1: that be if that was you? Oh, my God. Oh, I would have lost my shirt. Um,
2: So he had glasses on and he had a hat on backwards and his beard is like longer than it was a month ago. So I didn't even recognize him. And then once our food started coming, someone comes out of the bathroom and comes right up to Channing and like shakes his hand and it's Baker and they start talking for like five minutes and I'm just kind of sitting there looking at him like, oh my God, it's Baker Mayfield. Like we talk about you on a weekly basis. I know all about you even though I don't know you. (laughs) <laughs> and Did yeah. you
0: did you plug the Tomahawk? Did you say, "Hey Baker, can't wait to have you back on the Tomahawk for round 3?"
2: I did. I totally did, obviously. <laughs> you
0: are lying, obviously. <laughs> yeah, you know what, Nat? This is I don't I don't need you to patronize this show, okay? <laughs> you can either make this show or you can not make this show to use a diddy reference. All right, so we're going to have Nat, Baker on you, at Super Bowl, Nat. Did you did you secure that interview for us? Did I what? Did you secure a a Super Bowl interview with Baker?
2: I did my best, but I'm not going to guarantee anything because if I do and then he doesn't come through, you guys are going to get mad at me. So. That's true. <laughs>
0: Very true. Yeah. Someone will be fired. Okay. <laughs> so, Baker's yeah. on, guaranteed. It's a lock net. Secured that for us. What else are we talking here, Joe? I feel like we talked about both games.
1: Yeah, We're we going to we make sure we covered everything. Um, I think the only important things left are make sure that you guys call in to the voicemail line and leave us a voicemail. Thursday's show is going to feature all those awesome voicemails. So make yes. sure you guys pour yourself another Tito's. You have another couple mm. beers, maybe Sierra, Sierra Nevada if you're in California. If you're in Cleveland, you have another Great Lakes beer. If you're in what Colorado, do they drink Fat Tires out there? I think
0: – Yeah, mostly
1: uh, Molson. Uh, In uh, Canada, you're drinking Molson's and it's minus 35 degrees out there. But anyways, get yourself nice and tuned up. Call that voicemail line. Leave us something memorable. Make the show for us so that we can get paid and you can be funny and then everyone is happy.
0: Yes. Joe, tell me this. i seen a tweet that had you in a hockey uniform. What the hell is going on?
1: (laughs) So the wonderful Cleveland Monsters, which is the hockey minor league team in Cleveland, Uh They did a Cleveland sports celebrity or I don't know what it exactly was called, but some type of uh, Cleveland sport legends night. And they asked me to do a bobblehead. So they did a bobblehead of me wearing a hockey outfit and they did, you know, 10,000 of those giveaways. So I'm trying to get my hands on a few and I would love to send it to all my friends on the Tomahawk show, Uh, but I haven't even seen them yet. Other than the photo. Joe,
2: I don't even have your 73 beer.
0: You don't, but you have his bobblehead on your desk.
1: So I'm going to bring some when we go to the Super Bowl, and we can all crack them together on the show at the Super Bowl. Life will be good.
0: So Joe just dropped some breaking news. We will be at the Super Bowl again (laughs) this year. We are going to be doing the Tomahawk live from Radio Row at the Super Bowl. Patriots, Rams, hopefully we get some players on. I'm trying to get an exclusive interview with one of the guys, maybe Aaron Donald. Maybe Tom Brady. Maybe Belichick wants to come on. Everybody's kind of knocking our door down to get on the Tomahawk show because last year we were such a hit on Radio Row that it's all anyone was talking about. (laughs) So we'll be in Atlanta this year. Zerm is coming down in a party bus. He's bringing 50,000 Cleveland fans. They're going to be at the Waldorf Hotel all sponsored by Zerm out of his own pocket. And the, re, the yep. Rebuild podcast, mm. they are funding all of that. <laughs> With that big budget,
1: and yes, they absolutely. if they don't come
0: through, feel free to block them or wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> that is a legit <laughs> deal, and everyone's talking about it. All right, what else we got, Joe? Yeah, That's so obviously just We should wrap block, this up. But Rebuild.
1: before that, I would like to say that uh, although the Patriots won and I was sad, I did get a little laugh after the game. I'm not sure if you guys caught it, but – Tom Brady was interviewed and he did drop an F-bomb and he was kind of scatterbrained because I think he was so excited. It was the most excited that I've seen Brady after a game other than maybe the Super Bowl. But even after Super Bowl wins, I feel like he acts relieved instead of excited. So it was cool for me for a guy that's been to the Super Bowl so many times to still see him get excited. One of the things Mm -hmm. that I've always disliked about the Patriots is how they, they look relieved when they win. And they look angry when they lose. So there's almost no joy in anything they do. And I think that's part of the criticism that they get across the league is that they put so much pressure on themselves and they make their lives so miserable that they hate losing more than they enjoy winning. And so there's Mm. no happiness when they win. But Brady looked legitimately happy after that game. And at one point, he was having a hard time remembering the question. He was having a hard time answering because he was just so caught (laughs) up with the emotion. And then he just turned to the camera and said, I don't know, I'm tired. But it wasn't a I'm tired because I just played a football game. It was like a I'm tired because I'm 41 years old and it's after my bedtime and I just don't have that right. much energy anymore. Like, and so that kind of made me
0: laugh. Arthritis is acting up. Yeah. I need to, get I need to go get, get a couple of
1: leave and go lay in bed in an Epsom salt bath.
0: Joe, if, if Tom Brady wins his sixth Super Bowl title, where do you rank him all-time athletes-wise? I mean, in any sport, like the Michael Jordans of the world. Yeah. The Michael Phelps of the world,
1: the Serena Williams of the world, yeah. the well, you know all-time look, athletes. What do you always rank always difficult? Um, clearly, in my opinion, the best football player of all time. Um, how, how many Super Bowl appearances? How many wins? I mean, how much more dominant do you have to be to be considered the greatest football player ever? Certainly, mm. Jim Brown, the greatest maybe non-quarterback of all time. But Mm -hmm. Brady playing the most important position in sports, playing it better than anybody in history. I would say he's easily a top three all-time American athletes. Mm. Probably number one, Jordan, him, LeBron. Like maybe if you go back and you start talking about like Wilt Chamberlain, but it's hard for me to compare guys like that because, first of all, I never saw him play. Second of all – Maybe Kareem Abdul. like There's some other guys in basketball that it's really a a challenge to compare, but I think Brady probably has the edge just because in football that quarterback position is just so much more important than any other position, even in basketball where one player makes a difference of uh, your team sucking ass and going to the the finals, (laughs) as the Cleveland Cavaliers know, based on what happened when they had LeBron, and now that they don't have LeBron, they suck ass. So I don't know. What do you What do you think, Hawk?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm. I think you're right on pace, man. I think it's between him, LeBron, and and MJ. If he wins a sixth title, I mean, football. Obviously, I'm a little biased because I'm a football player, and I just know how difficult it is to be able to accomplish that in the modern day football age. Like, not to diminish anything anyone else did, but Bill Russell was playing against plumbers. He was a very good player, <laughs> but he was. They were accountants trying flippers. to guard a seven footer who was super athletic, and he introduced the dunk to them. So, there's a lot of things going on. I just felt like what Tom Brady has accomplished, coming from where he came from, and the underdog mentality, like, you know, yeah, it's funny for us to be like, oh, the Patriots acting like they're the underdogs is is crazy. It is crazy, because we know they're good. We know they're going to win. We know that they have what it takes to be champions. But for Tom Brady, it's never enough. In his mind, he will always be that six-round pick who was looked over. So, You know, for a guy like me, whose goal was to play one game in the NFL, and the only reason that was my goal was so I could rub it in everyone's face who said I couldn't make it. And by me accomplishing one game on the active roster, that was me making it and me being able to say, I was right, you were wrong, kiss it, right? For Tom Brady, that's not enough. One championship isn't enough, two isn't enough, three isn't enough, four isn't enough. He wants to be able to say, not only did you say I couldn't make it, I was a six-time champion. Or if he plays in the next year, he wants to say he's a seven-time champion. It's never enough. He's always going to draw back to 18 years ago when they decided that all those quarterbacks who we can't even name anymore were better than him. So I think he's just an all-time competitor, man. And for that reason, again, he's top two for me for sure if he wins this game and already top four for me right now.
1: Amen. Hey, make sure you tweet us using the hashtag hashtag. Tomahawk, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Tomahawk Show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us five stars. We got a few more podcasts before the Super Bowl show, and then of course the Super Bowl wrap up. Lots of exciting stuff coming up. Make sure you follow us every Monday and Thursday. And hopefully, Hawk will not be too hungover, and we don't have to scrape him out of the gutter for the next show because it looks like him and Nat and the rest of the LA office are going ham all night
0: (laughs) oh man you're crazy mountain Dews and sleep is all we're doing here in la
2: before we go i just want to say that both the quarterbacks that are going to be playing in the super bowl are from the bay area so basically all legends come out of the bay area
0: yeah but unfortunately you're also from the bay area and (laughs) you're not a legend nat (laughs) and on that note nat take us out
2: Joe hawk yourself hawk
0: (laughs) specifically me got it